Hey everyone, welcome back to the Class 1A podcast. Today we're here to dive into episode 21 of season 6. We're getting towards the end. Only four episodes left after this. And this was a phenomenal episode as we get towards the end of the season. My name is Andrew Nimsgren, and as always, I have James Graham and Dylan Beal alongside me. How are you guys doing today, and how are you feeling about the conclusion of Lady Nagant after two very quick episodes? I have one big question here. Is her speakers that she talks through, like, separate objects that she's putting into her hair? Or is it, like, an additional quirk that she has on top of all the other quirks? Oh, I didn't... I'll let you ponder that for a little bit while you do your intros. I was doing great until you hit me with that, like... (laughs) You hit me with that, and now I'm I'm just confused. Uh, But no, I thought, like, fucking sick character, man. Good, good stuff. Good. I'm, I'm enjoying this. We're, we're on, a, we're on a good track this season. I'm more than pleased. Yeah, it's phenomenal, and I think it's crazy how many characters still have been introduced this season, and they all feel phenomenal. They all feel like they've gotten their own moments, or even characters that were just here for a second in older seasons from the War arc, um, that really got to shine out here too. So, Lena again, just another amazing character to the roster. One that it doesn't look like we'll see too much more of at this point, considering the end of the episode. But nonetheless, um, it was really great to kind of have that. And it led to a couple of really cool things. So again, we've kind of moved away from the recaps and whole. We're just talking about the big things because each episode is still contained now versus earlier on. And we felt like there's 83 things happening every single week. Yeah. So today, I really want to dive into kind of talking about the brand new quirk, Bajin, um, with the faux 100%, which is also really cool. I want to talk about the backstory, kind of the whole Deku's realization the world's morally gray. Congratulations, you learned something that everyone kind of learns like the first year of high school. So um, he's taking major steps in his hero journey. And then two, other assassins potentially coming, a mansion in two months, another time skip. What exactly is going to happen there? So I think what we all love to talk about the most is a new quirk. So Dylan, what are your first thoughts on Fajin and how would you describe it of exactly how it works? All right, so welcome to my thesis on Fajin and the grander themes it pulls up to. Uh, no, I, I think Fajin's interesting uh, because it is like a distillation of, uh, like, all for one, or, or one for all into a singular quirk, if that makes sense, of, like, the idea of, of uh, one for all, right? It's just a stockpiling quirk. That's what Fajin is, essentially, right? Yeah. Right? It's, yeah. A, it's, a, it's a stockpiling, but it's a very acute stockpiling. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that was really interesting. Does it have anything to do with, like, the, the grander thing of how this quirk works? I don't know. But, like, that aspect is really cool. So essentially how it works is Deku can make little bits of movements. So the first example was he basically, like, squatted, like, a whole bunch in a row like this. And then it stored up in his legs and he was able to, like, execute it instantly. Uh, so I think this is really, really cool. It's such a cool quirk. Uh, it reminds me of... Uh, uh, you're you're a big Nintendo guy, Andrew. What is the thing um, in Breath of the Wild where you can freeze something, you hit it a whole bunch, and then you release it? Oh, yeah, I never played that, but I know absolutely what you're talking about, and anyone that's ever seen a Zelda clip knows what we're talking about, but that, that is kind of what it is. Just, yeah, it's another kinetic energy kind of tool, um, which, again, is what it feels like. It feels like another tool. I think a lot of us kind of thought a week or two ago that at some point there has to be some kind of combat ability, and now it just seems like there's only one left. I mean, I guess you can think of this as a combat one because theoretically, I mean, again, I'm very curious. They're going to answer a lot more of this. We're just introduced to Fajin, but you know, Deku can't really use his arms much with like 100% all for one. So 
But like, if he pumps his arm back a thousand times and then use fifty percent, is it going to only have like that same impact of fifty percent? Is it going to be like four hundred percent now? Like, I think that that'll be interesting. To see how it can be used offensively versus just escaping here, and seeing if that's how they get around that hundred percent historic smash, which we kind of saw here. Well, I was just gonna say that, like, yeah, we are seeing this, like, this, like, uh, you know. It's it, it, you know it's it's that's why they're calling it faux one hundred percent because it is uh, it's a fake version of a hundred percent one for all right because it's and it's just augmented by Fajin so I think it's this really cool workaround that his like yes his body can't handle that power going one hundred percent but he can like he can kind of find a way to do it with Fajin so it's like I still consider it a combat quirk like yeah it doesn't have it's not you know like Black Whip or anything like that but it's still it's still it's much more, I think, a combat quirk than a tool. Um, like smokescreen is very much a tool. Uh, floats very much a tool. You know what I mean? Like you can't use them really offensively. Uh, you can use them to get offensive advantage, but I think Fajin is something that's used both um, as like a, as a tool, but primarily you're using it to deal damage, which he did with, of course, the most like suitable named Manchester Smash, right? So I'm I'm assuming that's a football reference. There's no way it's not, right? Like. Well, it doesn't Manchester. What? I like I, Manchester, like United. No, yeah. I, I, I think it's, it probably not. It's probably not because no? like his, his is still like, okay. Here, here's the problem. Uh, the problem is it's a reference made by like a, a Japanese manga author. So like there could just be like a Manchester City America, and or yeah. you could just well, like, there's a Manchester in like the UK. The Manchester United. Is based out of the Manchester City in the UK. Yeah, so that's what I mean. Yeah, but uh, that's what I mean. Like Manchester's known for football. Yeah, yeah, and, a, and it's a, it's a, it's a kick, and like, yeah, he's kicking, and his whole thing yeah. was like soccer, because like that was like his feet thing. So it could, it could be. Yeah, that's that's what. I, that, yeah. yeah, that's where I was. That's where I was going with that. Yeah, like, because if his if his punches are uh, all my like all my uh, American City smashes, then his legs are football references. Because they're soccer. That's that's real like, easy. That's, that's, that's not a stretch. Like yeah. I uh the the one thing I I do think we're getting into the territory of with this new quirk though is uh what I like to call weave math, of where you just start oh, adding yeah. like a whole bunch of numbers together to like, because we we put like this um like fake limit on Deku and we need to get around it now. So we're gonna use weave math just to make it. He's just gonna be strong. That's what this is. Wave some hands. He's just really strong. He's gonna look really cool, and that's all that matters. And I love how, but it's just funny. Like you agree, it is weeb um, math, but they didn't assign like percentages to anything else except for all for one. Yep. So they made it very clear, like across the screen for like five seconds, all for one, fifty percent, and then they just said all the other quirks in succession, and then. Oh, 100%. Like, somehow those three just equal 50%. Yep. Like, I don't know if I'd want to know, like, individual percents, but it was just so funny how much they focused on numbers without assigning, like, oh, with Fajin, that's going to be, like, an extra 40%. Black Whip's, like, 10%. Nope. Yeah. Just put it all together. So, it is funny how that, I don't think they're going to keep, I mean, I don't think they'll just keep calling it fake 100 or uh, 100 forever. They'll probably just start kind of calling it 100% or something like that, because we'll It'll be obvious to us, but um, I I, I I can see as I can see as moving away from the numbers pretty quick. Like I think it is, I think you like yeah like we might see it like each break point, but I think that's really like I think it's just basically to give like a numerical value to Deku's growth, and that's basically it at this point. You know what I mean? Like 
I think we've really moved past that, like, him trying to, like, find that fine line between, like, how much can I do and how much can't I do sort of thing. Now it seems like he's got, a, like, a really firm grip on everything for the most part. He's not, like, we even see it in this episode where long gone is Deku who's, like, still trying to figure out how to, like, work, like make these quirks kind of, like, interlock and work. It took him, like, maybe, like, what, like, five minutes to be like, okay, I can't use all five. I'm just going to use three really, really good. And then, boom, I, you know, I beat the bad guy, right? Like... Is this the first fight Deku's taken most of his injuries not from himself? I, he's, had the, he's had the shit kicked out of him before, right? Like When? I, 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 he actually, ended up in the hospital because he broke every bone in his body trying to fight Shigaraki, but Shigaraki didn't do much damage to him. The Chihaski doesn't did do anything to him. There's no one, I mean, maybe Muscular might have broken like a hand or something, but didn't do major damage to him. When does Deku take a damage besides this fight, not self-inflicted? Outside of movies? Yeah, well, yeah mo most of the time okay. it is self-inflicted because it's always, it's always him trying to punch something and someone yep. blocks him in a way of where they block him and it makes it feel like they did damage to him, but it was really just him dealing damage to himself. Stop hitting yourself. Yeah. So again, again, I think it's something, obviously last episode, or I guess two episodes now when he fought Muscular, easily taken care of him, kind of showing that growth in the forest arc here. But I think this is now starting to show that I hope as a show overall that it stops going away from, okay, the limitation on the battle is going to be when Deku breaks all of his bones, but now it's like when Deku actually can't fight any longer, which is kind of how it feels like most fights are. Like, if you look at a lot of other main shonen, it's when the main character actually gets the shit beat out of him and he can't go any longer. Before is when Deku just went too far. So I hope we keep kind of seeing that because it makes fights more interesting. Like, shit, what if eventually Deku lost an arm? Like, yeah. because of that, instead of actually just breaking his arms over and over again and not being able to use it for that fight. So, I don't know. I think we've definitely seen the darker turn continuing. Obviously, usually at the end of a fight, there's always a happy ending, and this wasn't one by any means. Um, so, I think it's very, very interesting to see if they well, keep up the tone and escalate it. Yeah, just to kind of, like, really touch on the tone of it, um, you're, you're, like, in... Andrew, you said this basically at the beginning of the episode. Like, we are seeing, like, this very, like, the bright-eyed, like, only wants to do good. Like, you're seeing that, like, worn away. You're, like, he is now finding out all the cracks and crevices of society and, what like, what morally gray circumstances kind of, like, evolve from that, right? And I think this is really, really chipping away at him. And you actually, you actually, um, for anybody who, like, sticks around for the preview, because I'm pretty sure you, neither of you guys do, um, he he, yeah, so he ends off this preview with saying, don't worry, I'm fine. Which, like, I mean, for Deku is this, like, we, like, that's, like, that's, like, the biggest red flag for him, like, in the world sort of thing. So I think it's really cool that we're actually, we're, we are finally seeing that growth that, like, you, like, or not even, I don't even know if I'd call it growth or just, like, exposure, you know what I mean? Like, you're, I, you're, you're waking up to the realities of the world, right? Yeah, I, I would say, like, it's, it's a weird growth, right? Because yeah. I don't think it's inherently painful growth for Deku because I kind of disagree with you here I actually don't think him figuring out things that are like morally gray is actually even affecting him that much because like he still didn't hesitate trying to save people in this episode like he this is at the moment of where he should be at his darkest but like he still never hesitated he still just went for it without even thinking like he still did the thing that makes mm -hmm. Deku quintessentially Deku so like I think he's, like, learning and he's getting exposure, but, like, he's not having that moment of where he's being, like, 
he's not questioning anything yeah he's not being beaten down to be brought back up from it well yeah but that was also still mid-fight so Deku at the end of this episode was still completely different than the Deku four minutes earlier in the episode fighting Lady Nikan and saving um and saving Overhaul he's now at the end you just literally how Deku looked was different his hair was all down we saw those eyes there like, it yeah. was obviously, even just during that fight and seeing what happened to Nagant, changed there. So I agree that I think overall he's staying the same, but I think even from that moment when he was talking about Morally Gray and learning all that, to the end of the episode was a lot of growth. Um, and this seemed the closest to Deku ever wanting real revenge. So, God. okay, so <laughs> I know we're calling it growth, but the real word for this... Is trauma. It's trauma. Yeah. It's trauma. Like it, it, it really is. Like I mean, like I mean, that's that's really what's happening to him. Like synonyms. Wait, he, why, he, why he, would he have, be having any trauma? Someone just blew up in front of him. Someone just blew up in his hands. Yeah, exactly. Right? Why would he be traumatized by that? Right? Like that's just it. Like that. That is essentially what he's experiencing. Right? Is like, um, and it's just being told in in ways that really just. Like they start like picking away at the filter that he has on the world, right? And I and like I don't think it's a filter that's necessarily bad. Like he's not doing it for like any reason to like to mask something. It is just like he was really trying to see everything black and white. Like okay, you're a villain. I need to beat you. So you know what I mean. I, and I think and I'm just gonna bring it back. This all started with his him dealing with gentle criminal. I think it all goes back to that. Gentle is the first villain who doesn't. He's not a villain for malicious reasons. He's a villain because he tried and failed. And that is, he tried to be a hero and he failed at it, right? So I think we've just been slowly seeing this wear down of, fuck, people are complicated. Like, people have reasons to be why they are, sort of thing. And it, it, like, and it's, it's, I think it's really easy to get caught up in that because All for One is just, he's just a bad fucking dude, right? Like, he's just, like, if, from the core, he's just evil, right? So it's really easy to put that filter on everything else, but not everyone is that bad. Yeah, and obviously Deku learned two big things this episode. One, and what every high schooler learns is that everything is morally great. And two, what every college student learns is that every single government is corrupt. They gotta Ace. take all that into account too. So he learned that a couple years early, but that was a very big thing too. That I think, yep. again, is something that Dylan, I think you talk about this all the time, about hero society, how it has to be. Oh, changed. I thought you were going to talk about corrupt governments, but <laughs> corrupt government. well, yeah, yeah, yeah. also well, that. that's where it all kind of goes <laughs> into, but that it needs to be rebuilt. And I think this might be the episode. We've gotten snippets here and there about the issues with it, even from Hawks too. But I think this was the next level of that. The Gant was literally sent just to kill vigilantes. And we were all big fans of um Vigilantes. Vigilante series. <laughs> so, yeah. like, just imagine if, like, that series, like, if they t- tied it all together, is like with Lillian Gant just coming and killing all of them. It's really what it was. Like, they did good. We know what they did for everyone, but it didn't matter. And that Gant's job was just kind of killing heroes and vigilantes for no other reason but the government wanted it. Um, that would have been, that also, been a sick tie-in, though. I would have been really happy about that. It, it still could be called out at some point. We still haven't seen Koichi in the main series. Fuck, there could be a flashback at any the point, and they can't just kill them all. Um, but that's also another really big thing. So, really, a lot of kind of lore drops and awakenings for Deku here. But I think in that the, trauma at the end is really what's going to shake him. In the midst of a sick fight, though, like this fight yeah. was gorgeously animated. Oh, cool! Was, Love seeing yeah. all the quirks. Yeah, I I do really want to talk about Nagant though. I I like Nagant. 
Uh, she's great. I like her design, but, like, I, I do really want to talk about, like, the bullets and, like, the speakers in mm. them. Like, I know I was joking about it, but, like, what is that? What what was that? Is that, like, so is would you consider that, like, because Nagant is clearly, like, she's an older character. She's been around for a while, right? Do you think this is, like, a like a case of, like, quirk evolution? That's such like, a wild jump. Like, again. Or, or like quirk, like quirk awakening with her. No, I but like, actually happened at like a, a much earlier stage with her, right? Like, no, I actually do think that she just put like little speakers in them. Like she took no them way. out and like, and then just shot them. And then what does she talk into? She just has a lav mic attached to her shirt yes. at all times. Yes. No. Yes. Like, the more quirks we see, the more we realize quirks are bullshit. <laughs> Don't ask questions. Just accept them. This is definitely part of the quirk. She's not carrying around electronics and batteries on her at all times. She's wearing a mini skirt and a tank top. Like, this girl is not carrying anything extra. It's part of her quirk. It makes no sense, but it adds to the story. So don't ask questions. I think her current costume, she's not wearing a mini skirt. She's in, I think she's in like trousers. I think it's. Oh, is she? I just remember like during the overhaul when they're talking, she held, held up a mini skirt in the exact same color. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but no, I, I like uh, so. Like, but on that though, her character design is fucking sick. Like the it. Really the cool. way that you so use it, anything else we've seen. It really. is. It's incredibly unique. Yeah, like and just like for her Koshi to come up with this and how for her to like like manipulate her body to bring out this quirk sort of thing. Like it's it's just really cool. Like it's it, it's dope and like um I think they've done a really good job with her like her character design overall. Basically. Because they told an entire character's story in two episodes. They did that, like, pr- I, like, I would say pretty flawlessly, too, right? Like, you, you find out why she is the way she is, what happened, how she did it, what she turned into sort of thing. Like, the scene with her extending her hand and it just being covered in blood, like, ah, oh, top tier. I love that. Fucking awesome. Okay. Well, another thing, if you want to talk about bullshit quirks are, how can this chick that her quirk is to turn her arm into a rifle make her arm 18 times bigger than it actually is, too? Like the one point where she just makes it so much bigger. Like every other time we see her like making the barrel come out of her arm and stuff like that. But I don't know if that adds up to you being able to make your arm the size of an elephant's arm. Yeah, because it was um, uh, what what do they call it? It, it? It's telescopic inside. Because the idea of her arm is like the it's it's the opposite. It, it works the opposite way that like a folding sniper rifle would work. Like if you were to collapse it up. Because, like, her arm is the thing that collapses up to actually make it exposed instead of, like, the other way around. And so the yeah. barrel is, like, telescopic. So, like, it can be small and extend out. You this, see it because she, she, yeah. she, she treats this, it as, like, almost like a shotgun sometimes, too, right? Make, no, yeah, I, this actually makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. But I'm talking about when she went to shoot overhaul, she literally made her arm as big as muscular. Uh, it's effects. It, it, like, it's just emphasis. I do know, but I do think it is it's 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 channeling more power into the quirk. I think that's what it really like. Yeah. She I'm using it as like a standard sniper rifle to like a Barrett fifty cal and like trying to take out hot like hot overhaul right. So right. yeah, but like no, it's cool too because like again, she's another human character because even that like even Deku called her on her shit, being like you were gonna miss anyways, like you shot that planning to miss right, like and I don't know, I, th- I think it just it. It made me appreciate and like a character so quickly. Like, you, it was hard not to, right? Yeah. Nagant's wicked. Yeah, I, I think that's, like, 
Horikoshi flip-flops between being one of the best writers and one of the worst writers of all time. Because, damn, he is bad at writing some things, but, like, yeah, this especially, was... Re- especially women. Like, he's notoriously horrible at wor- yeah. writing women, but he wrote Nagant, like, I think. That's why he killed her off. Yeah, yeah true. Like, he writes... Great, I have a great idea. I can't, I can't risk this. Yeah, he, he, puts, <laughs> he puts good, like, women characters in his manga only to immediately kill them. Yeah, it's just like shit. I can't risk it. I need. I need to get the rid work, of him. I know you can his never issue. ruin a good woman character if you just kill him off two chapters in. You know exactly because he can't write growth for the characters. So he's like, all right, I'll make a cool character that kill him, so I don't have to write growth. <laughs> oh my god! All that god. growth needs to go to Bakugo. That's all that matters. We don't care about growth on what anyone else in the show. As long as it all goes to Bakugo, you won't complain about it in the end. Straight up, all all his character development is like or I guess. Toshi, like, we give him shit, but we also still buy into every single line that Bakugo uh, says. That is point zero 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 one point percent of growth. As long as we get that once a month, we don't care about anything else in the series. So why do we even try to act like? And we make an entire serious. episode around it too. We're like Bakugo's yep. growing again. He's the best this character the best <laughs> we've ever seen in any kind of formatting. Like that's all we want. It's all we want is my hero fan. We are simple people. Give Bakugo three lines of dialogue, and we are happy. It just we're the happiest people alive, yeah. Bakugo Took just shows up. He's just like Deku. I don't hate you as much as I used to, and we're all just jumping up, screaming. And then he disappears laughing. for six months, and we don't care. The <laughs> world training arc comes back. Yeah, <laughs> our bars are so fucking low for what we want out of this series. It's perfect. It's you know, like it, it's literally the Gordon Ramsay meme of like just lashing out at everything except for Bakugo. Anytime Bakugo <laughs> comes up, we're like, "Oh no, he's perfect!" Like we can't. There's nothing. But like he mishandles like one other character. We're like, "You're a fucking donkey!" Like, <laughs> yeah. Um. So as we kind of start to kind of wrap this up, kind of we understand what the next points kind of are toward the end is that Nagant originally was supposed to go to a mansion. and We get the exact kind of location. Um, in two months' time, and that there are other assassins that are told the same thing too. So there's really two ways of where that goes. One, Deku is going to fight through every single assassin in the next couple of episodes. Or two, it's probably another time skip up until where the mansion is. Because I don't know what else you fill the gap. It feels like anything that's not related to the mansion or those assassins, like next week wouldn't make much sense uh, if you went off and had Deku go fight a random villain that has nothing to do with it. Because he knows where all for one's going to be, and that's kind of his whole point of why he's out here. So I I think it'll probably just be a time jump and we get some kind of interaction next week, which would be really cool. So I think this sets up really, really well uh, the next and maybe final, unless they do, I guess, like a movie final. It sets up the next OVA movie uh, because if, they, if mm. they're like, hey, mm. we need to go fight a whole bunch of people and we only have six episodes left, six episodes fighting a whole bunch of people doesn't really add up. And so, like, I could totally see this being like a hey, we're we're we only have four episodes. Oh, four episodes. I thought it was six, but yeah, four episodes. Clearly not enough. Well, yeah, yeah okay, not enough then. So this is like a, yeah, we're gonna go fight a whole bunch of people, and then like the episode after that, it's like, hey, we just fought a whole bunch of people. Like, I, I feel like it lends itself to just being a really good OVA, especially mm-hmm. since like this time period of where like things are kind of like broken and exploding and and everything. If you want to do a time skip. You could just easily fit a movie in there. Um, I yeah, think it'd be a 100%. really good idea. And honestly, like, I like the vibe of all this stuff going on right now. I would love to watch a movie that's just all this. Like, just Deku just, like, doing this. 
Yeah, and like I think this was a big thing that the three of us talked about when we got to this point in the manga because it felt like you could do Monster of the Week, right? Like it was very tangible, especially with again being like there's other assassins. We're like, oh shit, cool. We're just gonna see Deku like really like fine tune all these quirks. But that's the shitty part about anime is that you know, okay, they only have four episodes left. They don't move to that. There's no way they can, right? Like in like. Even though, even though my hero has very much not been like a monster of the week show, it's never really done that. Um, it felt appropriate in this moment in the manga, but here we we it's it's very telegraphed that it's it can't be that right. So yeah, an OVA movie would be dope. But again, well, I mean, it's an impossible thing. Maybe we can make a picture of what the movie would be at some point. But again, it can't be anything too big or life altering or anything like that because we kind of know next week's episode if there is a time jump that Deku is going to be fine. But any kind of suspense during that time is low. That'd be a lot more of like a drama movie and like on the ground with citizens and anything and the threat of other people dying, not Deku, because no one would believe Deku is going to die. Well, I mean, I mean that, that's the, the problem with all the OVAs is no yeah. one ever thinks they're going to die. Like the last one, it was like Deku was like a world murderer who was put on CNN for being like a, a person who's killing people in mass. And then I mean, everything's fine now. Everything's fine, yeah, exactly, right? Or we could just, like, yeah, because that's the shit part about, like, My Hero OVAs, because we either have that, and it means nothing, or you do, what is it, like, the disaster relief simulation, which was, like, the the most wasted 35 minutes well, of my life. Oh, well, to be, to be, be fair. over Mr. Smiley? No, Mr. Smiley was great. Oh, we don't talk, like, no, we don't no. talk shit about Mr. Smiley. Oh, can we move on? I don't, I hate him. I, I, I can't <laughs> stop hearing that, that, that voice line. <laughs> All right, we will then move on for you, Dylan. And have you kick off what is going to be our plus ultra pick of the week, where we would pick a character, an idea, thought, anything that we want that went beyond, that went plus ultra this week. Dylan, what is your pick? Uh, my pick is pretty easy. It's Deku. He's a Chad. He's just being a Chad right now. He's walking around. He's saving people. He's like, yeah, I knew you weren't even going to shoot him, you idiot. I knew there was good in you. He's great. You idiot. Yeah, you dumb beautiful idiot talking in a gun anyways i'm sorry um so i'm actually gonna give it to somebody who we didn't really talk about on the episode at all but i think had one of the most like og mm-hmm. badass movements in this in this episode and it's all might all might literally just walking up mean mugging to like c-tier villains being like just get the fuck out of my way man like I'm, all, I'm, I like, yeah, I'm all might. I like, I look like this, but I'm still all might. Like, like, and he's the, he's the founder of Plus Ultra. He's, the, he's the guy, right? He's the guy. So I think, I think him having that opportunity to still showcase he carries that much presence, um, he gets it for sure. It would be the last one that All Might ever gets, but that's fine. I'm so fine with it. Good pay. Uh, all Might was definitely what I thought about there too, and I, I think I'm gonna kind of one A, one B. One A is definitely gonna go to Deku, obviously. I mean, the full 100 percent. The no hesitation to pretty much bring back someone that was scoring down the entire world. So being willing to help him again all in a matter of like a five-minute fight, pretty damn impressive. But 1B is going to go to Horikoshi for real, reflecting the real world and showing that even in My Hero Academia, all governments are corrupt and that that is the most realistic thing about the entire show. So I do respect that from Horikoshi. And he did write a good character for so I give him that just to kill her off immediately. Just to kill her off. But <laughs> that is going to be it for this week's episode of My Hero Academia and the Class 1A podcast, where we cover everything My Hero Academia. We'll be back next week for 
episode 22 as we start to get towards the end of the season. We'll start talking about off-season plans as well, but we have a couple more episodes to dive into, so we'll get to all of that first. But thank you all for watching and listening, and we'll see you all next time.